Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Today, I'm really excited to be talking with Lily Jones. She is a curriculum developer, an education writer, and a social media strategist. And most importantly, (laughs) I also have the pleasure of working with Lily at Leone Consulting Group. Lily leads many of our social media management accounts for all of our education brands. And she's also the founder of educatorforever.com where she empowers teachers to use their skills and passions beyond the classroom. And a little bit more about Lily. She can add anything I miss, Lily, because I know that you've got a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> Lily spent seven inspiring and exhausting, in her words, years as a kindergarten and first grade teacher. She then took her passion for teaching and learning and spent the last 10 years working as a curriculum designer, an instructional coach, and a social media consultant with lots of education brands, such as education.com, where Lily and I actually got to work together again, Teaching Channel, where Lily and I got to work together again, Baby Center, and lots more brands. Lily is also a fellow Cal Bear. Go Bears. And she holds a master's in elementary education from UC Berkeley. And last but not least, Lily is is really honestly one of the most inspiring and dedicated mothers I've experienced. Like you you just glow. It brings you joy. Beyond your love for learning is your love for kids, and those go hand in hand. She has two adorable children, Matilda and Milo, and she lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband Kevin. So welcome, Lily. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you. That was a very sweet introduction. I'm very thrilled to be here with you. Yay. Well, why don't you tell our audience just a little bit bit more about you, potentially anything I missed. Maybe bring us on the journey of Lily and and maybe add in what you currently do at Leone Consulting Group, what we call informally LCG. Yeah, sounds good. I'm like, where do I start? All right. Um, I'll start when I became a teacher, I guess, which I was very excited to do at that point of being like, all right. I remember walking into my first classroom. I was a first grade teacher and just like so excited. I spent the whole summer setting up my library and being like so, so into it. And then the kids came and I immediately basically got so exhausted. Like it was like being hit by a truck. I was just like, what is this? And major imposter syndrome of like, I'm the one teaching them how to read. (laughs) I don't know if I can handle all this. Um, But I figured it out. You know, I kept going. The kids really were and are like what drive me. uh, That it was so exciting, like being around all these little kids all the time. Um, So I did that. I shot at my first school in Pacifica for two years, which was a big public school. So like really big. There were five first grade classes um, and kind of traditional, you know, like, but it was a good place to get my feet wet try things out. Um, And then I moved to a school in Oakland, where it was much more project-based learning and integrated, um, hands-on kind of activities and things like that, where I felt like I could really grow 
as an educator and do things that really excited me of thinking about like, okay, how do we build in like math and the rainforest? And how do we create all these things with kids? And who can we bring in from the community? And just had a really awesome experience there. But still felt like, oh my gosh, like how do I keep doing this long term? Like it's so exhausting. I remember every break being like, oh, there's a whole world out here. Like I have friends I haven't seen in three months. Like, oh, there's books that like came out, music that came out, movies that came out that like I had no idea because I was just so focused on teaching. So uh, that went on. And then when I was pregnant with my daughter, Matilda, I was like, I just don't know if I can continue in the classroom in the way that I was. Like I definitely was like full force in there. Um, when she was born. So that at that point, I decided to leave the classroom. And that's when I started working with Teaching Channel part-time from home. And basically at that point, tried anything I could do flexibly in education while having a baby at home. So like I worked frantically during her nap or like when my husband, Kevin was home, you know, he worked, he didn't work Thursday and Friday at that point. So he would watch her and I would just like do all my stuff then. But really the priority changed of like trying to spend time with her and also still wanting to be involved in education, like supporting teachers, supporting kids. So truly, I was like, is it flexible? Is it an education? Like, I will do it. Sign me up. Um, so that led me to some of the things that you mentioned, like Teaching Channel and then Education.com. I came in kind of from the education curriculum, education consulting side. And then in each circumstance, found myself in social media. So I found myself as that's like, really the way where I could connect more directly with parents and with teachers and even administrators and things like that. But finding that community almost like a school again, but through social media and through this like flexible way. So yeah, that's how I kind of transitioned then into both coming here to LCG and being able to do social media for so many amazing brands and connect with teachers and educators and parents and all sorts of folks that way. And also how I started Educator Forever was just all my teacher friends being like, what is it that you do? <laughs> like, how did you find that work? Like, what is out there? And just feeling like I was having literally every weekend having a coffee chat with somebody at a local cafe and like, all right, I'm going to like turn this into a hub of information so that if teachers, you know, feel like they need a break from the classroom or something to do on the side while they're still teaching to just like invigorate them and be a different part of them, they can have options and they can make different career pathways for themselves within education. Yeah, I would say that when I talk to educators, this, this inspires me, but also makes me sad at the same time too. Yeah. Is that the number one question I get from educators is like, how can I work outside of education? What are the jobs available? How do I navigate this transition? Or even how do I even know if this is the transition that I would like? And you're a rare combination of a person that was an educator for so long. And then you talked about your journey of moving into ed tech and in that pathway with lots of different types of brands. And when you talked about brands, there was a lot of, you know, the, the B2C brands to the parent side with Baby Center. But then there's also just the, the real in the trenches types of brands like Teaching Channel um, and Education.com on that other side, too, with the parent side and some teacher side. But you have all of this experience, but like reflecting back, do you have any advice for educators that are thinking about making this transition or maybe just some advice on how they dip their toes in the waters to figure out if this is right? Maybe a, if we throw in some education terminology, a scaffolding approach, if you will. <laughs> yes, well done. Well done. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, I think it is, it is sad, right? Like it is sad and structurally, like I believe the education system has so much that needs to change, right? 
Um, but I also believe that teachers are the ones who should be empowered to change it. And that I know when I left the classroom, I felt so much guilt of like, oh my gosh, like my identity as being a teacher. Like I have all these students who are counting on me and like fellow teachers who are counting on me. And it felt so heavy. But I think what I've really seen is like teachers can go on and do amazing things in education. Like I had other friends who like left education, became real estate agents or like, you know, became something totally different, went to law school, you know, all these things. But the ones who stayed in education are really trying to change those systems to support other teachers, to support kids. And that just because you're leaving the classroom doesn't mean you can't make an impact. Like you really can expand that impact by then reaching tons of classrooms, tons of teachers. And I actually like have come to believe that I think that's how we recruit more amazing new teachers into the profession. One way is to tell them they don't necessarily have to be a classroom teacher forever. They can go on and do all sorts of different things and create different career pathways, or they could be a classroom teacher forever. Like that's fine too, but it doesn't have to be one size fits all. Yeah. And I think that people don't understand that aren't in the field of education, that educators generally have more than one job. And I'm not talking just being an educator and then they're also a tutor in school. Like within the school system, they've got lots of duties and they take on additional things like yard duty and things to increase their income. But beyond that, they've got multiple jobs to just to support themselves. And that might be during the school year, but it certainly is during the summer. Right. Um, So I remember it was like circa almost 20 years ago now, um, Edutopia was doing their first series of webinars and we had uh, Vicki Davis on. Remember, so Vicki Davis, cool cat teacher, we'll throw her website and her resources in the show notes, but she used the term teacherpreneur. And we got, you know, some people are like, why do teachers have to be anything else? What, you know, no, like teachers don't need to be entrepreneurs and also do the toughest job in the world. And I understand that. But then there's also your side too. It's like, it's this great way to dip your toe in the water and get some extra income rather than, you know, at the time educators were working at like blockbuster video on the side. Like, would you rather infuse your love of learning into things that are making you money in a passive way sometimes too? So I was a little torn, but it, you, your journey brought me back to that webinar back in the day when, when it was like almost 20 years ago. And now yeah. it's quite blown up. I know. Totally. Yeah, I know. The term entrepreneur still to me is like a little, like, I don't know. It's somehow unsettling. Um, and I guess it's like I've learned to embrace it a little bit, but I also understand the hesitation around it. Um, and I also understand people who are like, oh, teachers shouldn't have to work these extra jobs. Like, yeah, of course, absolutely. Like 100, 100%, you know, like I obviously would want to pay teachers so, so much more, but it's also like teachers being in martyrs, you know, like living, being in this system and like waiting for it to change when it's like at such a snail's pace. Like, how about we try and make change from other directions and then therefore hopefully create a better system for teachers and students. Yeah. And so talk to me about if you were going to redo it and you like, say, say you were in the classroom, but you were trying to dip your toe in the water while being in the classroom, because your situation was you were having Matilda and you were, you were leaving kind of regardless. But if you're an educator now listening to this, are there a couple things they can do just to see if this world is right for them or maybe just bring in some different income streams? Yeah, totally. And I actually did kind of like 
experiment while I was in the classroom, um, kind of just like with things that I happened into. I think I think we've talked about how I did National Novel Writing Month with my first graders. And then after doing that, like I built up a relationship with the folks at National Novel Writing Month and they reached out to me being like, hey, you remember those lessons you wrote? Like, can we pay you to create a curriculum around those that then we can share with so many other teachers? And I was like, that is the easiest yes ever. Like, of course. And also, is that a thing that gets done? Like, can I write up these things that I've done and then share them with other people? Um, so I would encourage teachers to really think about like, what are they doing in their classrooms that they love doing? Like, what are the parts that they love about teaching? And often I think we get pulled away from those because of all the other things that are going on. And think about whether it's like creating a teachers pay teachers resource on that or whether it's like you have a favorite ed tech brand and maybe they're looking for some teacher consultants to test out some products like looking into those different ways that you could maybe use something that you were passionate about while still in the classroom and that's honestly like you know like a big asset to brands too of being able to have teachers in the classroom trying things out giving them feedback um, and giving their perspective yeah. And I would say from the educator brand perspective, I work with educator brands and make sure that when they approach educators for opportunities, they're always paying them. Yes. So if, if you are an educator and a brand reaches out to you and says, hey, can you review this product? Or, hey, can you review this book? Or can you do this or that? Or write a blog post? All of those things. And they're not offering to pay you for your time. That means they don't value you. And I, I hate to say, and they maybe don't even realize they're saying that. That. And I, I teach a lot of education brands that an educator's time is worth a lot of money. And we need to make sure that we're valuing them and we're not bothering them or bogging them down in, in their already really challenging day. So in the educators themselves, they're so selfless. They're like, this is a great opportunity. I'll just do it. And then they end up doing all these things for free. Yes. Yes. And that's so in the culture of like, just, you want to help, right? Like you got into teaching because you want to help that you want to like serve. And I think that's so expected of educators all the time, whether it's an extra PD at their school or whether it's a brand asking them or whether it's a coffee chat with a colleague, you know, like all those things, right. We're not used to charging what we're worth um, or even seeing our skills, I think as something that is valuable in that way or transferable. As an educator, you don't need to have like a media kit or prices or like anything fancy to start with. No. But what you can do is if a brand does approach you for a certain thing, ask them what they're being, you know, are willing to pay you and hold on that. And then go ahead and just ask your network. Like, is this generally what people get paid for? Um, reach out to me, reach out to Lily, we'll tell you. Um, we, we really want to make sure that, and it's not about the money on all of this, and we know this, but it is about setting a precedent, um, an important precedent. Yes, and I think it's just, it's also about realizing your value as an educator. You know, I think that so often we think like, oh, we're just teachers. And like, for me, I was like around teachers all the time. All my friends were teachers, my colleagues were teachers. Like, we're all teachers. So we don't sometimes realize that our skills really can be such a valuable asset to other people. Yeah. And on the show, one of the themes that have already naturally been occurring is the value of being a connected educator, because mm -hmm. when you are connected and not isolated, you start realizing your worth. Yeah. Yes. You, you start realizing that what I'm doing is actually pretty cool and innovative and I haven't heard anyone else or I, or I collaborated with this other educator and we created this awesome thing. So when you are siloed, you have this self-fulfilling prophecy potentially that you know, you are just this and you're never just an educator. 
No, totally. I know. It's so crazy. I mean, it's so crazy to be up like, I hardly ever saw inside of anybody's classroom as a teacher. You know, I remember I got like two days out of the school year that I could go and look at other people in the class or other people in the district's classrooms. And that was so fascinating. It was just like, oh, what do they have on the wall? Like, oh, how do they do that thing? And then when I transitioned out, you know, I worked at Teaching Channel, which was all about making videos of teachers all over the country. So it went from like never seeing anybody's classrooms to seeing so many different classrooms. And it was so, so valuable just being able to see like, wow, everyone's doing amazing things. And how awesome would that be if like, I could take what this person was doing and learn from them and they could take what I was doing and learn from me and just having that kind of open door with other educators and feeling like we can share and help each other out is so valuable. Yeah, makes sense. I think let's switch gears a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, instead of talking to the educators, we're still going to talk to you educators, so don't go away. But we also want to talk to the EdTech brands. And Lily recently wrote one of our most popular blog posts about what EdTech brands should not do for Teacher Appreciation Week. (laughs) And being an educator, a former educator and a lifelong educator, what do you think EdTech companies should do more or less of in general? Uh, and like maybe what just what bugs you the most? So um, maybe if I am an education brand marketer and I don't have a ton of experience in K-12 or if I do and I just need a refresher, what are those things that they should avoid? And maybe what are the things they should lean into a little more? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think my big takeaway from the teacher appreciation one starting there was just like, don't offer a tiny discount on your product to educators during teacher appreciation week. <laughs> like, Teacher appreciation week is not about educators taking out their wallets and buying things. Like it's really about giving away resources. So instead of like a 15% discount, maybe give away a free trial for a month, no strings attached, give away some amazing resource to them, like give away something that really helps them or just honestly like heartfelt show your appreciation like that matters too and it's about feeling valued not necessarily about just like getting things um but i think in general like really listening to teachers and hearing what they have to say and going from that rather than and this is like something that we all i think do sometimes of thinking we know what other people are going through but really listening to teachers before you talk to them And realizing that teachers are not a monolith, right? Like there are some people who are teachers who want to be teachers forever, who have been teaching for 50 years, and that's amazing and fantastic, and they don't feel burnout. There are other teachers who feel super burnout their first year of teaching and like feel like they can't go on. And those are two different audiences, and that's fine. But if you start off like, hey, burnout teachers, you're going to isolate the people who are like, I'm not a burnout teacher. Like, I love teaching. And if you start off being like, hey, teachers, we know you're like so invigorated by being around children, you're going to isolate the teachers who are like, I'm feeling so burnout. Like, I love my children, but I'm not invigorated. So I almost feel hesitant to like lump all teachers together sometimes, but really think about what, what teachers are you talking to? What experience as a teacher are you talking to? And then actually talk to teachers who are going from through that experience to find out how you can help. Yeah, that's so important. And it's, it's kind of complex too. And we work with brands to really look at what is your primary audience, your secondary audience, and, and all of your additional audiences that you want to talk to without isolating them all to your point. But it's, it's really hard to do But at the same time, the marketing messages I see that stereotype educators or um, just make light in an overly simplistic fashion, 
it bothers me. We mm-hmm. need to be overly sensitive and caring and empathetic to, especially now what the educators are going through. So like if you do a, a funny thing where it's like, hey, teachers, have a rough day. Ha ha. It's like, no, it's really hard. Yes. And so you kind of have to navigate that. But the way you do that is to listen to educators as much as possible and not just educators, your audience get to yes. know them. Yes. And that was a theme I, I, I read in your blog post a lot is, geez, please listen. <laughs> totally. And I was like, you know, like the beauty of social media, right, is like you have interaction with educators, with people responding to the things you point out. So I also would say for ed tech brands, like if you do a promotion for teachers or whatever, it is a campaign for teachers and they're writing in to you on social media, commenting, whatever, with feedback to listen to them, you know, like sometimes you might not get it right, but that it's important to listen if you didn't. And if you did of like, how did this go over with teachers and get their real reactions to what you did so that you can be a better listener and be a better, you know, collaborator with them. Yeah. And giving and appreciating for the sake of those things. Right. So Mm -hmm. I don't, as a marketer, I always dig deep and I look at, okay, is this 15% off discount usually offered? Is this just Mm -hmm. another way to spend their discount that they usually give every day? And if so, that makes me sad. Yeah. You know, please do not use this as an opportunity at any point just to say, oh, let's make our discount timely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And teachers, I mean, at least from my experience, like teachers are not waiting for teacher appreciation week to like get deals, you know, like they're burnout. It's May. They're tired. (laughs) Like they really want to just like feel like you don't feel valued as a teacher for the most part. And like we were saying before, like you don't feel like your skills are valued by society. And so I think really like leaning into what you truly appreciate about teachers and what you wish a teacher would hear on their like worst day can be an, a good way of thinking about it. Yeah. And what we're talking about isn't just applicable for teacher appreciation month, yeah. which is, which comes in May. There's a teacher appreciation day. There's a month, there's a week, but regardless of that, we always talk about internally and we work with all of our brands is how can you appreciate educators all year long? Um, it's no surprise that the number one most popular type of content for educators is how to combat burnout even in the beginning of the school year. So how can we appreciate and support educators year round and do it in a way just from the heart? Um, I don't know if you recently saw, but this was like the coolest thing I saw from a brand and it didn't come from an ed tech brand, but Mazda, did you see the Mazda thing? No. Mazda's offering a free oil change with no strings attached to anyone that's a an active educator right now. Nice. They don't even have to have a um, have to have a Mazda. Oh, amazing. That's great. And that's just like great. And it, and then other, other educators were able to share it with their friends and say here you go. And yeah. it was just this thank you. Mhm. Yeah. You don't have to just be like 15% off oil changes for educators and you have to be this or that. And you don't have to make them jump through tons of hoops too. Mm-hmm. Like as an early marketer, I would, I would make educators do a lot of things and I'm sorry back in the day. <laughs> and I, until I realized that it's really hard to get anyone to do anything, especially educators. And if you ask them to do something, please reward them. Yeah. Yes, please reward them. And like, I think the oil change thing is also kind of beautiful too, because it doesn't have to be flashy, right? Like it's like something you need to get done. That's like a load off. And that is what teachers need, right? Like they want to feel like something's 
checked off their list. Like they don't have an endless to, well, they'll always have an endless to do list, but it's like a little less endless. So I think that's really a good reminder too. Like it doesn't have to be the flashiest thing. It can be something like a free oil change. Awesome. Well, do you want to add anything else? Some last minute thoughts on maybe brands that misstepped that you want to share an example on, or just remind ed tech brands that are thinking about appreciating educators or even doing a campaign, mm-hmm. what should you consider? Yeah. I mean, I think again, just really listening. Like I think one thing that contributes to burnout is teachers just don't feel listened to. Like if they don't feel in general, and this is like a total generalization, so I'm somewhat hesitating, but in general, like my experience was, you know, we go to school to become teachers and we have all this education, we have all this hands-on practice. And then here come people telling us like, oh no, actually it should be done like this. Whether it's administration or parent or just like society saying, oh no, we should do it this way. So that really the more that we can just listen to teachers and value their expertise, like you would value a doctor's expertise or like you would value a lawyer's expertise or whatever it is, like they are experts in their field and having that really come across throughout everything you do. Elevating the profession. I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's switch gears slightly. So because you do have lots of hats, we're the educator, (laughs) Lily. Now we're going to move back to the social media manager. Yeah, which you you do spend a lot of your time right now doing. Um, You know that social media can be absolutely overwhelming to manage and you juggle social media for lots of prominent brands right now. For all of the social media managers listening or heads of marketing listening that are thinking of hiring or have maybe, you know, junior level people coming in and trying to help them with their path on social media, what are your best pro tips to get started? I know this is very hard, but (laughs) you're going to program out a week in social media. How do you begin to navigate the world of crafting posts in consistent fashion and engaging? How do you navigate everything that needs to be done? Yeah. How long do we have? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it I learned from you, a lot of um, of really just batching posts has been a game changer for me, which means like doing a whole bunch of posts about one resource that then we're sharing in different ways throughout a longer period of time. So that means that not every week you're not sitting down or especially not every day. Like I remember a really long time ago, like, you know, many years ago when I started doing social media, I would do like a day's post and then come back the next day and do a day's post. And then it was just so draining. Like it was every day taking out the things, figuring out what it was going to do. So really thinking about like a week, two weeks at a time, but every time you're programming a post, recycling it, thinking about doing it again in a different way so that you're cutting down the amount of work you have to do just programming every single day. And then I think really like another thing I've learned from you is just the importance of the voice. Like if you, especially if you're doing different brands, being clear on like, Who am I talking to and how am I talking about it as this brand? Because it is a skill and something that's hard to get at first of like, it's not your voice. It's not like a totally detached robot voice. (laughs) It is a voice that belongs to this brand. And like, what words do they use? Do they use exclamation marks? Do they use emojis? Uh, How do they respond to people and interact with people? So I feel like once... I get clear on that, everything becomes a lot easier because almost like stepping into a role, you know, like I'm playing this role right now and I'm in this voice. Um, And then I think of engagement, like 
to me, I think it's most successful where it doesn't seem like an extra task, like where it seems really like a conversation um, of like checking in of like, I programmed this post, like how are people reacting to it? It's like a science experiment or like, you know, you get to get some data and interact and like interact with real people. So just enjoying that and doing the listening there. And, you know, again, being a human as you interact, um, sharing joy with people, sharing frustration, helping to elevate their voices whenever you can. Yeah. And the way I talk about it with you all, and we all remind each other, because sometimes there is so much to be done and you need to prioritize. But with engagement, I always remind people what an honor it is that educators took time out of their day to respond to you, to like, to encourage you to say this was valuable. We have education brands where we have educators in the classroom sharing how they're using the product in the classroom. And they didn't need to do that. Yeah. Like that, I mean, think about an educator's day, about how much time they actually have. They don't even have time to go to pee, yeah. <laughs> let alone they're on Twitter or they're on Facebook or Instagram showing and thanking and being so grateful that this product exists. And we need to treat that as a gift and also say, every day I come to social media, how can I make somebody's day? doesn't need to be everyone that you engage with. But if you go with that mindset, it truly changes what you said, Lily, is this a duty or is this something that gives us both joy? Yeah. And it's so fun when you get in those moments, you know, when it's like you find somebody you connect with and then you're like, oh, did they respond? Like, how did that, you know, how did they like that? Or things like that. Um, or you get to just feel like you're in a community, right? Like if an educator posts some pictures and then you're like, oh, I know that person, they posted again. Let's see how that project's doing or let's see what they're doing next. Um, and being able to kind of follow their journey that way is so, so interesting and rewarding. Great. Let's give you some curveballs around education because we have been talking about the state of education and it's challenging. Yes, educators are not supported. They're up against one of their biggest challenges and continue to do so. But there are some glimmers of hope and there are some things that are truly exciting going on. And I'm wondering when you look at from your vantage point, because now you're not just in one classroom, you can, you've seen it from multiple classrooms, but now from a brand perspective, you get to engage with educators across the nation as well and read and learn professionally. Mm -hmm. So what do you think right now is the most exciting for you in K-12 education? Mm, could be, could yeah. be technology, it could not be technology too. Yeah, my initial thoughts are not necessarily technology, but maybe um, related. I mean, I think really a few things. I don't think I can pick just one. One is really the focus on equity of just supporting all students and realizing that all students don't have the same experience in our education system. And so really thinking about how we can help make things more equitable and really empower teachers to use what they know um, to do that. Another is doing more hands-on integrated project-based learning, which I believe that like life and learning don't exist in these discrete subject areas. And we make it so much more enjoyable and realistic when we bring these subject areas together in an authentic way. So I see teachers doing that more and more and just having that be part of their repertoire of like, hey, all right, I could do this interdisciplinary project. And like, I know that that's a thing that I could do. And then I think like just the decrease, at least like what I've seen, I hope to see the decreased emphasis on testing 
you know, I know with COVID, like some things have come back, which is in my view, unfortunate. Um, but it does seem like there's more momentum into knowing that, you know, testing and assessments aren't maybe as valuable as some may think that they are and really don't give a good picture of what kids have learned and often can cause more harm than good. Awesome. So wrapping up, thank you so much for your time, Lily. I do have a couple more questions. Yeah, um, not necessarily related to education. So this is for, yeah. for everyone, but we always talk about inspiration and especially as educators, we talk about lifelong learners. What in particular are you doing, reading or watching that's inspiring you, that's refueling you? Yeah, good question. I mean, I'm always reading things um, and I have way more books than I can ever read on my bedside table. You know, it's like a joke sometimes when I sit down, I'm like, oh, which one of these mini books? Um, but I did just start reading this book called Rejection Proof. Have you heard of this book? It's like Jia Jang, I think that his name is. Um, but it's all about this guy who decided to try and go out and get rejected as many times as he could. He had a goal of getting rejected a hundred times um, and really taking away like that fear around trying things that are scary. Um, so I think about like with kids, right? Like it's like a growth mindset of like, we're taking risks and we're learning from it. But as adults, we don't often do that as much. Um, and it can feel even more scary as adults. And I definitely felt sometimes like I was sitting in front of these kids saying like, oh, taking risks is amazing. And like for me personally, it felt so scary. Um, so this book, I'm only like a tiny bit into it, but it's so interesting. Just this idea of like, I'm going to go out with the goal of being rejected and like trying something anyway. And just getting used to that feeling and building that muscle and just seeing what happens there. That's so interesting because people generally don't go out with that goal. But I do feel like some people can take it more. And it, it reminds me of, so I worked at eight years at the George Lucas Educational Foundation. And George Lucas was our board member and chairman and founder. And his story inspired me because... His, the if we will probably link to the the story of Star Wars and how it got adopted, but he went out to everybody and everyone thought he was absolutely crazy. <laughs> and most people, including myself, would be like, I'm absolutely crazy. I need to stop. People are telling me I'm crazy. But he just thought they were crazy and he needed to keep going, you know, but how do yeah. you develop that? And yeah. and really it is that growth mindset of of keep going, potentially keep learning and improving the idea. But for him, it's, we would have lost one of the greatest storytellers of our time if he let everyone tell him that it wasn't a good idea. Yeah, and it's, totally. it's such a good skill. And I feel like that rejection, like going out and having a project where kids have to get rejected multiple times. Oh my gosh, that should be in curriculum. Yeah, totally. Right. And it's like the goal of being not getting the thing, like not even like, Oh, I'm going to go pitch that I have this music video or something, you know, like the goal is not even getting the thing. The goal is being able to deal with the rejection, you know, um, and just flipping that as being focused on the skill rather than like the achievement or potentially even focused on the audience, the intended audience. Yeah. And that's why I like design thinking too, because yeah. you take away your ego and you're like, Oh, the audience didn't like it. And I'm designing it for them. Not yeah. me. 
<laughs> yes, totally. I love that. I love that. Yes, I love design thinking for everything, like work and life related. <laughs> well, awesome, Lily. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, just a real last question is how can people get in touch with you via social media, websites? And um, if there's any specific resources you'd like to share, you can mention them here and then we can also link them link to them in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Um, So my website for teachers is educatorforever.com. There I do a regular uh, webinar class about getting started as a curriculum developer, which is my favorite way to work beyond the classroom other than social media. Um, So really just helping folks know that like that's an option if you want to do something on the side uh, while you're teaching or outside. Um, And then on Twitter, I'm at Educator Lily. You can reach me there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lily. Um, It's truly an honor to hear from you. And I do believe your tips that are practical, but also inspirational for educators, but education brands, they can walk away going, gosh, I get it. Thank you. So thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate spending time with you and being able to work with you too. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit Leone Consulting Group dot com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends. So please connect with us on Twitter at Leone group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.